You are now listening to Shift the Plan Podcast. My name is Rhonda Evans, and I'll be your host. I'll be interviewing business owners who have successfully navigated through life shifts. Remember, it's never too late to change the game. Let's get started. Thank you once again for joining Ship the Plan podcast. We are here for another episode with another shift maker who is doing some phenomenal things. And I must say, I don't think that we have ever had a guest like Michelle. So welcome, Michelle Gomez. And the reason I say that we've never had anyone like quite like you is because you boldly, boldly say that you are advocating for women to, you know, and I love it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me, Rhonda. Yes, 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 yes. So why don't we start by just telling my listeners a little bit about who exactly you are and what you do. So um, my name is Michelle Gomez. I am a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and career coach. And what I do is I advocate for women in the workplace. Um, In my coaching, and anytime I do speaking, it's to elevate women to positions of power, to positions of higher elevated earnings, and really just sort of creating space for other women to have easier entry points. I find that when most of us are in power, we make it easier for those behind us to step into those roles when we succeed and go forward. So um, I kind of like to start that chain of sisterhood. I love it because I I absolutely agree with you. I think once we get to certain levels that we show other women that it's obtainable and instead of just getting there and sitting there, you know, reaching back and pulling the next woman forward. So yes, absolutely. Yes, indeed. So, (laughs) so like most women, you wear many, many hats, (laughs) like you just disclosed to our listeners. But what I want to talk about first is that, you know, your journey to that point, because I know a lot of times um, most people who end up in the positions that they're in, it came with, you know, a journey to get there. It didn't come you know, like a light bulb, day one. <laughs> it took a journey to get there. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about, you know, pre-author Michelle, pre-advocate for women. <laughs> okay, so I actually fell into the logistics and supply chain industry at the age of 19. And for those who are not familiar with that industry, it's it, at the time, I mean, it's the tides are turning, but at the time when I was 19 years old, this had to be, oh man, to, to, uh, no, yeah, 2000, 1999 to 2000. Um, it was very male dominated. Most of the people that were in positions of power were men, middle-aged Caucasian. So I came in with all this ambition to, to do well, because I'm the type of person that, you know, it's very, I'm very type A. And so anything worth doing is worth doing right. Kind of a my mentality. And although logistics and supply chain wasn't my Initial first choice of career, I I thought, hey, you know, they they I had gone to this agency. They did a quick like skills and uh, assessment on me, and the results of that test showed that I would thrive in a logistics supply chain 
procurement environment because I am so detail oriented and time manageable. I can manage time, multitask, all that stuff. So, so that's what they started sending me on assignments. So I thought, okay, well, if my talent fits here, I might as well thrive. But I came into that industry at 19, um, being uh, the wrong age, the wrong gender, and the wrong ethnic background for the level of success that I thought I deserved and that I was willing to work for. Um, And so I really had to struggle with being able to find a seat at the table to advocate for myself, to learn how to navigate um, male-dominated rooms, um, struggling to fit in, uh, struggling to find other women who were willing to partner with me and show me the ropes because there weren't any. At the time, they were all men. And so um, I had some great bosses along the way, but I found that many a times because I was young, And because I was, you know, I'm just because I was cute, you know, I had these men that wanted to just paternalize for the wrong reason. Oh, hey, sweetie. Oh, hi, honey. Yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. You can be at the meeting. Yeah. And it felt very paternal, but didn't feel like I need Michelle to be in this meeting because she knows her stuff and she's of value or she would be a good piece to add to the project. It wasn't that. It was more appeasing. And so I just thought, man, I have to really change my approach. So over the years, I've spent two decades in that industry now, and I've been fortunate to gain the respect that I worked really hard and and always wanted. So now I'm sought after for my expertise, my relationships, um, my forethought, my connections, which is wonderful. And But throughout those years, as I started elevating, I've had people come to me at different points in my career to ask for mentorship, whether it was people in my own department, uh, people outside in other departments. I've even had candidates that I had interviewed for roles within our industry, you know, when they didn't get the role, reach out to me after the interview, like on LinkedIn, say, hey, you know, I I understand I didn't get the job. I appreciate your time, but, you know, would would you mind meeting me for coffee or for lunch? Because I really think you can help me. And so um, over time, I just kind of, mentored and coached people for free, not knowing that this was an industry. And it wasn't until I finished my master's program in 2017. Thereafter, I thought, you know, I'm going to write the, I'm going to write a book. I've always wanted to be an author and I just didn't really have the time to do it. And so I eventually decided, you know what, uh, I'm going to take everything I've learned, everything I've done up to this point. I'm going to share my story. I'm going to give concrete steps that people could practice right now to help elevate their own career. And I want to make sure I tackle one of the biggest hurdles that faces women in the workforce, imposter syndrome. And so um, I I decided to do that. And I did that last year. I published my first book and then launched my business. And I have since been uh, doing my rounds on podcasts, on online interviews, speaking at different forums and really just trying to spread the message and make myself available to women that are maybe feeling a little lost. I think that the fact that you started in that industry at such a young age speaks to who you are now even more so because you could have easily at 19 been intimidated and say, well, this is not for me. I do not want to have to deal with this. You know, let me go find something else. But no, you stayed and you worked hard and you demanded the respect of the men who are at the table already to say, hey, my seat is already here. And so I'm going to pull up a chair. Yes. 
Agreed. And, and, and it's just, it was learning to navigate who was here for me and who wasn't right. Cause there were, I was fortunate to, to did, to did have a, to have um, a boss that was a really important person in my career for the, for like 13 years, he and I worked together and he was very bold and, you know, saying, I think Michelle should be here. or I want Michelle to go to that meeting or let's have Michelle do that presentation. So he was always pushing me to the forefront and I've been always grateful for him. But, um, you know, working with him for 13 years, I still questioned, is it him or can I get this kind of respect anywhere? So after leaving that company after 13 years was a true test to see that I could step in any room in any brand to, and still obtain that level of respect. And I found that it's exactly what happened. And it all started with dealing with my imposter syndrome and working through any of the negative self-talk that I had going for myself that was keeping me stuck or keeping me in a complacent space. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just thought, okay, let me challenge myself and see if my reputation precedes me, my hard work and the respect that I, that I've gained throughout the years, if it precedes me and it has. So now I'm here to tell women like you, you can, you can really build a personal brand for yourself, your personal own brilliance, your, your level of excellence that just is part of who you are and it Mm -hmm. takes into anything you do. And so let's get you out there. Let's get you under working under organizations and doing the jobs that you actually want to do and secure the bag while we're doing it. Absolutely. Because I think that, I mean, I know that you mentioned that you have a very type A personality and sometimes that can be, you know, taken as, oh, she's, you know, she has a quote unquote attitude or she's bossy versus no, I just happen to be a woman, but I know my stuff. You know, I know exactly what I'm doing. But for those women who are a little bit timid, who are a little bit shy, or who are maybe afraid to speak up for themselves, what would you say, you know, some the top three things that perhaps you did that they could also apply to, you know, being comfortable with being in those spaces? So the first thing I would recommend is to implement a implement a, a, a what I call a power hour. It's not my, it's not my term. It's something that I heard, but, um, you know, every successful individual has that morning routine that is so important and whether it just depends on what everyone else, you know, their value system is. I'm, I'm a woman of faith. I'm a Christian. And so I, you know, I make sure that I get up and I, you know, read my devotional. Right. But I had to add to that. So I I developed it over time, but I wake up, you know, I, I go in my prayer closet, I do my devotional, I do a quick five to 10 minute meditation for whatever I'm working on at the time. I recite my affirmations on the three major things that I'm working on. And, uh, and then I sit down and read a chapter out of whatever book I'm reading at the moment. I, I truly believe that readers are leaders. And so really ingesting culture and literature and different perspectives really helps round you out as an individual. And um, so like right now I'm reading Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Um, She's one of my favorite authors, but I I read a lot. And so I really feel that people need to just take some time to develop a quick, you know, 10 to 20 minute morning routine. It doesn't have to be an hour at first, but just find something where you could practice mindfulness, practice spending time with yourself first to set the intention for the day before you go out into the world and let the world determine what kind of day you're going to have. So that's number one. I think that's truly important. 
Do you have a morning routine, Rhonda? But yes, I do have a morning um, routine. I actually set alarms in my phone um, so I can make sure that I am intentional about my time. So even just waking up and having that moment of prayer, doing some, you know, intentional meditation where I am doing like that brain dump activity. And then if there's something in particular that I need to work on that morning, then I'll do that. But I think it's so important that when you first wake up, especially as a woman, and even if you're a mother, that you take those, still away those moments to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes. So uh, that will be the first actionable item I would say. Secondly, what I would do is um, talk to a mentor to get mm-hmm. to be able to really spend some time with someone once a month, sort of as you're on your journey, you know, as you're trying to elevate your career. Um, it's really important to be able to connect with someone who may be ahead of the curve and you can bounce ideas off, share some of your um, experiences, get their feedback. You know, it's just, it really helps to kind of, it's, it's almost like sitting in front of someone five years ahead from now and being able to share in their experience. And I do put that in my book as an important step as well. It's just, I think a lot of times people approach a mentor sideways or maybe with overzealous expectation. If these are successful people and you want them to give you some of their time, we just have to practice discernment, you know, and be respectful of their time. You know, be very clear, you know, let's meet once a month, maybe over lunch or over coffee um, is 30 minutes or an hour acceptable? What day of the week works best for you? To be respectful of their work schedule, their family schedule, um, and be realistic, you know, and have actually have a, you know, follow up notes. So that way it's not the time spent with this mentor, even if it is 45 minutes once a month is effective and it's important. And you're covering items that they will be prepared to respond to. And so I just think that's really important because otherwise people, you know, I find that sometimes people are texting their mentors constantly or emailing them constantly or calling them at times where they're not available. And, you know, if they're successful, then it's likely that they're also very busy. So it's just approaching it with the right mentality and realistic expectations and parameters for the relationship to work. And it's also important to know when, when the relationship needs to shift. You know, this mentor is not going to be your mentor for five years, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. you know, you might need to switch up mentors as you evolve. Right. Next level, you might need to switch up. So just be clear and respectful of the boundaries they have and make it as easily, as easy and accommodable to hang, to be able to spend time with you in the time and the season that you need it. So that's number two, mentorship. And number three, I mm-hmm. actual item would be to connect with environments and people that understand your elevation without it, without experiencing hateration. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, because not everybody is going to be cool with you wanting to be better, right? Like not everyone, you know, I mean, it's, it's with everything, right? We have like, we want to lose weight. So you can't always hang out with the people that want to eat burgers every day and drink soda and right. alcohol all the time. Right. Or maybe you want to stop drinking. Then, then the people who, you know, thrive on going the happy hour every Friday, maybe they're not your people right now, you know? And so mm-hmm. I have found that when you elevate and you want to step into a better version of yourself, that they're, they're unfortunately, and it's very painful. 
But unfortunately, people are just not down with you. They don't, they don't want to see you elevate because it disrupts a pattern in them that they're not ready to break. So it's not that they're bad people. It's not that they don't want to see you do well. They're just not headed in the direction you are. So I would recommend that you connect with people that are on the same trajectory, that also are working on a goal, that are also trying to develop and evolve so that you have some people to celebrate and be a witness to your growth. Oh my gosh. I hope that everyone has a pen and paper and is taking no, because those are some excellent, excellent tips, especially about mentorship. Because I don't, one, I don't think people really know how to actively select a mentor or even how to contact someone to be their mentor, you know, or just respecting that relationship or even understanding that, you know, who you may have thought was the good mentor for you may not necessarily be a right fit. And that's okay. And you can seek out other mentors. Absolutely. And I do. And I did mention that small caveat in my book as well. Um, be, be aware that there are people that you think they would be a great mentor, but they don't want to be a mentor. So don't take it personally. If they don't jump at the excitement of being able to spend a coffee date with you once a month to extend their knowledge, some people have more hard work to do about their, you know, themselves. And so, I mean, it's, it's sad, but some people are like, well, I don't want to share because then it threatens me. You know, like she's going to come take my job or he's going to promote. And then, you know, I've taught him everything I know. And now what, you know, but the point is, if you're consistently elevating and you pour into others, you know, God has a great way of just making sees how your servant heart and how you want to help elevate others. He'll take care of you. Like, you know, and there's opportunity everywhere. There really is this this society, this time of comparison with social media, everybody's looking around and measuring themselves up to everybody. And, you know, I've been in this entrepreneurial endeavor less than a year, okay, since my book launched. It'll, this summer will be a year. And, you know, at first, it's easy to get, like, you know, kind of scared and jealous. Like, oh, she's booking all these, you know, looking around like she's booking all these speaking engagements. And she's been on this show. And she was on the news the other day as a, as a subject matter expert. And this girl got on, you know, um, a major publication. It's easy to get caught up with that. But now that I'm in it, I can tell you that there is so much opportunity. There is so much opportunity that, you know, just because you didn't land this speaking gig or this job doesn't mean that we're out of opportunity. There's still more coming every day. And so don't get discouraged if you see other people doing, you know, doing well, because you don't know their struggle. You don't know how long they've been in the game. You don't know what they've had to sacrifice to get where they are. And so part of elevation is being able to be grateful and celebrate others because that way, you know what it feels like when it comes your time, when you're, when it's your time and you're, you're all of a sudden getting all of this abundance and favor. You, you already know how to celebrate because you've been celebrating others. Yes, that is so important. Like the, there cannot be any sense of jealousy. Well, 
in the sense that you are disliking someone like, you know, that you're envious of them, you know, it's okay because everyone has their own season, you know, whatever's for you is going to be for you regardless. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with celebrating the next person because when it's your turn, I guarantee you that same person that you're cheering for is also going to be cheering for you. Yes, it's so true. And, and, and I think uh, that's why anytime I do a speaking gig or even I have a private Facebook group and mm-hmm. I make it very clear in there, this is a no shame zone. We're here to, to be a witness to one another, to share in each other's roles and each other's process to uplift one another. And I, and it's, it's no different than any of my clients. Like when I speak to them or I'm in a, when I, whenever I'm in the room, I make it very clear. This is a no shame zone. Okay. And we're not here to tear each other down. Like, like the whole reason I started doing this is because I've seen enough of that and in, in the corporate world of women tearing each other down because they're afraid of, they have the scarcity mentality. Well, mm-hmm. if she does well, then I can't do well. If she gets promoted, that means I can't get promoted. And it's mm-hmm. just, we can't have that mentality if we're going to elevate as a gender. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you are providing a platform where they people can do that. Like it's a safe space. You can bounce your ideas off of each other. You can celebrate the wins of each other. So I think that's great that you have that safe space for, you know, people who are old and new in the whole realm of, you know, entrepreneurship and business. Um, that sense of wanting to be better than the next woman, do you think that's where the, the seed of, um, imposter syndrome starts to get planted? Actually, no. Imposter syndrome is, is actually something that only you can cultivate within yourself. Nobody can make you feel imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's more you feeling like you are a fraud or a phony. Like you're afraid mm-hmm. that people are going to figure you out, that you're in over your head, that you have no idea what you're doing, yet you're getting all of these accomplishments, right? Mm-hmm. And so you work yourself to the bone and you constantly berate yourself mentally with negative frameworks. You have this negative internal dialogue about yourself, even though everything else around you is showing that, okay, you're very smart and you're talented. You have a gift. You, you're brilliant in a particular area, but you're not seeing it, you know? So then you, you trip yourself up about your success and you don't, you don't internalize it. You in fact, chalk it up to luck or chance, or somebody else got you in the door, or somebody else spoke up for you, you didn't earn it on your own. And so because you carry that, you feel like a fraud. You feel like I have this title, I'm making this money, I'm getting this recognition, I'm being I'm asked to be a part of this project, but I don't feel like I deserve to be here. But you're never going to say that. So you work yourself to the bone, and you struggle internally you require a ton of validation from the outside world because you don't spend time within yourself. That's why I say the first thing that you need people need to do is spend some time with themselves in the morning and really do that internal dialogue, change how you do yourself about yourself. That's the first thing. But as far as women competing with one another, I think it is, it's just a scarcity mentality. It's um, assuming that there's only a limited amount of, opportunity for a woman to advance herself. Um, And it's, you know, the way I see it is if you're at a company where there's only three positions of power and, you know, they want to, they want to assume diversity. So they give one woman the, the spot and the other two to men and you assume, okay, well, then that means 
I'm out. I'm never going to get that role because they already filled their, their diversity hole. Right. So mm-hmm. yes, I'm out. That doesn't mean you can't find other opportunities elsewhere. They're right. everywhere. Go start interviewing, go, go reach out to your network, go to an, a, an evening mixer, you know, attend a conference, connect like the, this is where opportunity is found just because it's not within the confines of, of, of four walls at one company doesn't mean that another really amazing opportunity isn't out there for you. Oh, I'm so glad that you hit on that because I think that sometimes that people who feel like there are no opportunities are also the same people who are just sitting back waiting for opportunity from their perspective to fall in their lap. Right. <laughs> Instead right. of just going out and, and doing what needs to be done to put yourself in front of people. And, and in the beginning, um, opportunity doesn't necessarily always look like a paid gig. It could be just something that you volunteer and do and soak up the knowledge or allow people to become familiar with your work. Yes. Yes. It, it's, 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 yeah, that in the entrepreneurial space. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it's definitely, you have to start in that space. Um, my career coaching is particularly focused on women in the corporate structure. And so when we're talking about what's out there, um, I usually allude to, you know, be, having to jump jobs or jumping industries or whatever they have to do to find the opportunities that they're looking for. But a lot of times the women that I do speak with that are interested in in the change are women who haven't interviewed in seven, eight years, you know, who have become complacent and they're fearful that their resume isn't up to par, that their LinkedIn, like I have a LinkedIn profile, Michelle, but honestly, I hardly log on. I don't even think I have a lot of I don't even know how to use it. So when I, they go through my program, they get the full advanced executive dossier so that they can confidently pursue the jobs that they actually want rather than just pursuing jobs just because you feel like clicking buttons. You know, actually know exactly where you want to go so that you can make the right choice. Be able to have a great resume that they will be proud to present to anyone. A LinkedIn profile that's optimized and have the training to be able to not only interview really, really well for the first interview, but also prepare to negotiate for salaries um, when they have the second and third interviews that follow. Oh my gosh, that is the part right there in corporate America, I think that scares people the most, is negotiating a salary for yourself. I think people feel like, oh wait, they gave me the job, so you know, I don't want to rock the boat. You know, what are a couple of tips for people who are, you know, afraid to negotiate their pay when they know that they should receive so much more? Definitely education is really important. And I don't mean like academia. I mean, like getting your hands on the information that's out there. I mean, LinkedIn, Glassdoor.com, Indeed.com. These are platforms and there's others. I'm sure I'm not mentioning that you can actually research the demographic and the role that you're applying for to get an understanding of what the current market standard is of pay for that role. So if you find out that you're applying for a say, you know, I don't know, a sales rep, outside sales rep role for um, the medical industry, right? And so you go online and you look that because you live in Chicago and this type of work for this type of industry in Chicago, the average annual pay is, you know, let's say 88,000 to 98,000 a year, just base salary, right? So if you 
are assuming you were like, oh, I was just going to jump in the job and be happy with 60,000. Okay, you'd be happy with 60,000, but that's not the fair market value. Why not secure the bag? If you have the data that's, that shows that this is what the standard is, then you, it's not that you're being unreasonable. You know, you're being fair and all you're asking is for them to be fair. So definitely information, know what that role pays in that demographic today. Number one, number two, um, be prepared for the rebuttal. So if they, if they were able to push back and they, you know, you guys are kind of going back and forth, um, it's definitely important to be prepared to on what to answer without getting emotional, especially for the women. You know, it's important that we are able to negotiate other things that maybe are important to you. Do you want to pursue a higher education? If so, what's their um, a tuition reimbursement program like? Are you interested in investing? So do they have a 401k? Do you do a profit sharing? Um, do they send people in for higher education? Like I personally have always wanted to take the executive leadership coursework at Harvard. Um, so when I took a recent opportunity at an, at another corporate job uh, that I just started 30 days ago, I asked them, do you have any sort of benefit that sends people to executive leadership, um, educational coursework? And they did, they showed it to me. They said, yep, this is available to you. So if you want to go take that Harvard coursework, we'll be supportive. So this Absolutely. is like learn that kind of thing. What other do they, you know, what other incentives do they offer? Are you trying to relocate? Do they offer a, a relocation package? So just have a list of what's important to you so that if the money isn't exactly what you need it to be or want it to be, there's possibility of other perks that you would consider as as part of the package before you say no, thank you to the job. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's you. And number three, I be prepared to walk away. Yeah. Honestly. It, 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 to me, and I tell this, I sell, I, I really kind of drive this with my clients. Interviewing is like dating, Rhonda. That's mm-hmm. what okay. You know, like if you, if I'm a guy and I meet you online and we go out on a date and I say, you know, after, after a quick 30 minute conversation, I look over to you and I say, you know what, Rhonda, I like you. I think you're great. Congratulations. You're my girlfriend. And you know, you, you're, you're microphone. <laughs> like, it doesn't work that way. Right. You're like, wait, right. a second. Like, um, I haven't even gone into my line of questioning and I haven't exactly. even, like, I would like a few more dates before we come into agreement that this is a relationship. Like, don't I have a say in this? And so when I work with clients, I empower that side of them. Like this is the date. Okay. And just like you would not just let some guy decide that he's your boyfriend now, um, you're not going to just, you don't, you're not forced to take a job. This is why I tell them, I, I, I usually encourage my clients not to jump ship until they have offers to review. Like if you have an offer in hand, salary, benefits, incentive package, whatever you're looking for, if it all your, you, you know, you, it's, it's a package you're happy with. That's when you turn in your two week notice. You don't do it beforehand. Don't let the emotions get the best of you and you just walk out, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, mm-hmm. you want to leave gracefully with your dignity and not burning any bridges. And in order to do that, it's best to have, it's best to have an offer in hand. So I would tell people be prepared to say no, be prepared to walk away. And this is why in my program, we get clarity on what exactly you want to do, why you want to do it, how you need, how much money you need to make, what kind of work do you want to do and how to design a work-life balance around that 
But most importantly, also get very clear on your non-negotiables. What are you not willing to compromise? So that way, if you, you're not, one of your non-negotiables is listed as in the negotiation as something they are not going to budge on, then walk away. Oh, yes, that that's very important that be prepared to walk away because just because you think it's your dream job, once everything is laid out on the table, it doesn't measure up to what you thought it was going to be. So mm -hmm. I think that's so important. So now, you know, your clients, they have, they've gotten the job, they're in the role, they're working on the projects, but now they're struggling for that work-life balance. Can you talk about why that is so important? Work, well, it's actually even an important component in my program. We do go over that together and design a life. It's part of the negotiation structure that, of, of salary negotiations or even work dynamic. Um, so it's not all career related. I'm a working mom. So I know when I go in and talk to people, I am very clear on my standards and what I need to be successful, right? And so I find that people are respect, like they appreciate that, the clarity, you know, like if I'm telling people I, I have two children, you know, and I, I need to work from home because I like to pick up, I like to take my kids to school myself and I like to pick them up myself. If I travel, I only, I don't want to travel all week long. It's got to be just a few days midweek. Um, no, I prefer not to be, a, you know, logged on and doing anything on the weekends, um, that kind of thing, right? And mm -hmm. so, and I know what it takes for me to manage my life. So I understand the, the pay that I would need, the salary that I would need to sustain my family and be able to bring in the help that I need to support my lifestyle, right? So that's why we get clear on that because honestly, if we don't address that, ladies, you will find yourself in the 80-20 lopsided. And what I mean about that is 80% of your identity being in your job and 20% having to be shared with everyone else, mm -hmm. you know, and that includes yourself. So it's yeah. really important that you make time for that work-life dynamic because people thrive in your presence when you value yourself, when yeah. you take care of yourself, when you are rested and you practice self-care and you are, are joyful and you how you're creative and you are energetic and and you know people enjoy that. You know, everyone, everyone benefits, your spouse, your children, your your coworkers, your team your friends, your community, everybody just will, will resonate with you being this positive light, this, this, this emotionally intelligent beacon of talent, you know? And so if you, that work-life dynamic is so important. Otherwise you're going to show up to everything hurried and stressed and resentful and frustrated. And you would think it's the job when it's not the job. It's, it's you. You need to prioritize that. And don't be afraid to ask your boss, like, how, what's the work-life dynamic here? It's, it's, that's just a little nugget of what I share with my clients. We actually create a line of questioning for them so that they can tactfully ask the questions that they need answered. You know, like, if, for me, if I'm the type of person that values being able to work from home, that's where I would prefer. That's that's where I thrive. I don't like it being in an office in a cubicle at this point in my life. So, if I when I do get an opportunity my way, that's I say, you know, okay, how do you, you know, what is your comfort level with remote work? How do you feel about having someone in this role working remotely? 
Mm-hmm. And if yeah. they're like, oh, no, this person needs to be in office, then, I, okay, well, thank you so much. This sounds like an amazing opportunity. It's just not the amazing opportunity for me. I'd be happy to make a referral. Um, but, uh, but I appreciate your time. You know, that it's be able yeah. to walk away. But you, once you're clear on what your non-negotiables are, then you can confidently walk away. Because a lot of times women are just like, oh, my gosh, what if I'm turning down this job and it's going to be end up being the biggest mistake of my life? Because we always hear that, right? Yeah. (laughs) It was like so and so walked away from uh, the investment of a company seven years ago, and because they thought it would never pick up. Well, that company was was Netflix. You know that kind of thing. You know, like, and you're like, oh my gosh, what if I make one of those catastrophic mistakes? Right. It 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 doesn't have to be that serious, honestly. It it should be more focused on you as an individual, as a talent. Yeah. And you say, this is what you get when you put me on your payroll. You're going to get a, a person who is well-rounded, who d- practices self-care. I practice emotional intelligence. I'm a good friend, a good mother, a, a good wife, and a, and a great employee. So if that's what you want on your payroll representing this brand, then let's talk numbers. Uh, that's like the perfect pitch. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Like you said so many things today that I, I'm sitting here like I needed Michelle like five or six years ago. I, I needed you so badly. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'm, here. I'm right here. So let's, and that's why I'm so glad I did this because I just decided to become the business that I needed 15 years ago. Mhm. Yes, absolutely. I think so many people can benefit from your services and from your program that like a- absolutely hands down. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Why did I not do that? Why did I do that?" you know? And so I'm thinking, "Okay, yeah, this is something that I needed." So I know my listeners are listening like, "Wait a minute. Let me how how do I <laughs> become a part of Michelle's program. So what um, can someone expect when um, reaching out to you for your services? Well, certainly I I make sure to schedule a career strategy session first. Um, They're able to go to my website. You can go to my website, which is www.michellem, my middle initial, marthagomez.com. Or you can find me on Instagram. On the link in my bio, you can find uh, the link to my Calendly. But I first want to make sure I'm clear on what your desired outcome is to see if it would be a good fit for the program. You know, I make sure I don't just bring on anyone. You know, I want to make sure that it's someone who has um, a clear understanding of why they want to achieve this and a commitment, you know, of eight weeks to spend with me while we work on this for you, while we do this work together. Um, So certainly that 30-minute call, initial call is crucial so that we can get to know one another and see if we're a good fit together. And then after that, it's an eight week virtual um, coursework that we would do together that would entail dealing, helping you create that um, mindset that you need, you know, discussing that power hour, uh, developing a career plan, like a map so that we know where you're headed and we can, it's easier to know how to make decisions when you know where you're headed, right? If there's a, is it's easy to get distracted? So we make sure we create a map for you so that you don't get distracted by the shiny new object that's some, that might come, you know, come down the way and you're like, oh, you get all happy about that. It's like, well, wait, but that's not, 
where you're headed. So let's stay on, stay on focus. And then um, we do help you develop your full executive dossier. So that way you have a personal brand online that people that establishes your excellence. What are you good at? Um, so that people know what they're getting before they even reach out to you. Oh, oh my gosh. Like if anyone who isn't listening to this doesn't have the whole deer in headlights, mouth wide open, like, Ooh. oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you because that's the key thing. I don't think that I personally have seen any other program that does that much of a deep dive into it. And I, I respect the fact that, you know, you already know that everyone is not my client, you know, from the very, very beginning. So I, I totally respect that part of your business as well. Thank you. Yeah, I just, it's an integrity for me because I'm not in the business of taking someone's hard-earned money just for the sense of adding another client. It has to be the right fit. And I have to know that you're committed um, to do the work because, you know, it's, it's important work that you need to men be mentally um, and spiritually present for. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. So how can our listeners also obtain your book? It is available on Amazon. It's called Own Your Brilliance, Overcome Imposter Syndrome for Career Success. Awesome. All of this information will be in the show notes. So don't worry, everyone. You know, you'll be able to connect with Michelle and schedule um, an appointment with her because I know you need one. Um, and in the meantime, head over to Amazon and, you know, purchase her book. And make sure when you are purchasing her book that you leave her a review so people know what you think of her book as well. Those reviews are so, so important. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to, you know, sit down, talk about what you know so well with my listeners, and then kind of just break it really down to stuff that we should know, but don't necessarily know, you know, so I thank you for that. I, I gained so much information today. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I look forward to sharing this podcast with my community as well. Yes, definitely. Before we end, I like to do uh, what I call a lightning round. And so it's a series of five questions. And um, you just basically say whatever comes first to mind. Okay. Okay, perfect. So question number one, what would you tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self to stop um, hustling for outside validation. Everything oh. she needs is inside her. She just has to tap into that first. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, question number two, what keeps you sane throughout your journey? Well, the three, the things I mentioned this morning, I think are the biggest things for me, really that power hour for me, mm -hmm. I only allow myself to skip it or, or not, or keep it short. If I need, I know myself, I need seven hours of sleep. So that maybe that's a good place to start. I need at <laughs> least seven hours of sleep. I've learned this well, thanks to Ariana Huffington and her book thrive. I've learned the importance of rest. And so I make sure that I get a minimum of seven hours of sleep. So if I, for whatever reason, stayed up late and now I need 
like an hour more of sleep and I have to skip my power hour or, or cut it short, I, I give myself that, that leeway. But yes, definitely to stay sane, I need seven hours of rest and that morning prayer, meditation, and, you know, really gaining some insight from whatever book I'm reading. Those are the things that keep me sane. Great. Oh, very important things. Very important. Um, question number three, what tools help you the most day to day? Oh gosh, I hate to say it, but my phone is like my, my virtual assistant, really. Uh, my phone is so, it, it keeps me on track. It keeps me ahead of schedule. Um, so definitely my phone and I'm so grateful for finding certain apps that help me keep up with my business, um, like for social media management and things like that. Um, so yeah, definitely my phone and my apps. <laughs> I guess I, that's the same thing actually, probably. I am guilty. My husband teases me all, all the time about how I'm always attached to my phone, but I'm like, you don't understand. These are notifications popping up for appointments. You know, these are client questions. I'm not just on my phone for no reason. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. And, and I do the same thing. That's why um, one of the ways that I try to avoid burnout is try to stay off my phone on the weekends if I can. Mm, that's a good tip. I, I need to implement that. <laughs> need to do that. It's hard, but it's, it's, it's refreshing. <laughs> um, question number four, what is the name of another shift maker who people need to know about who may be going under the radar? Ooh, okay. I just, now I, I collaborate with a lot of women. I love elevating other women and especially those who are just now getting out there. There is a young lady that I've recently connected with. She's a brand new blogger. Um, her name is Aneda. She, she's from New York. And she is starting a movement called Anxiety for One. You guys got to look it up. Look it up on, um, on Instagram. It's called, it's at Anxiety for One. It's the number one, not spelled out. But her okay. name is Aneda. And she's an anxiety warrior. Now I struggled, you know, anxiety is, is sort of par for the course when you're an ambitious woman, right? So mm -hmm. um, she is starting this movement as a mental health advocate and her oh, wow. inspired those with anxiety to conquer their fears and push forward sort of that, that whole feel the fear and do it anyway, kind of a thing. But mm -hmm. she helps really her whole goal is to help people um, speak their truth about anxiety and create a space where they can talk about it and move past it, encourage one another. And I just think it's really important because not enough people talk about anxiety as a mental health issue and more of a just stress. Um, so yeah, and she's barely starting. She's just kicking off her website in less than a month with her first blog ever, but she's starting to make her rounds on Instagram and trying to build her community. So uh, when I met her, I just thought she had the biggest heart and we had a great conversation virtually. And so really, I recommend you guys go follow her. She, you'll, you'll find that she's got a lot of great insight. I absolutely love that. I think talking about mental health in general is important, but to 
that talking about anxiety in particular, it, it takes it to a whole different level. Um, just simply because I was someone who suffered with that um, it, to the point to where I literally had a panic attack in my office one day. Yep. And so it's, it's a, important. It's a very real thing that people deal with. So I commend her for that. And I absolutely have her information in the show notes as well. So our listeners can connect with her. Great. Um, question number five, uh, what are you most thankful for throughout your journey? I mean, other than, other than, you know, learning about and developing a relationship with, with what I call him dad, but the Lord, you know, my brother and Hey, we actually call him dad. Like we'll say, Hey, did you go to dad on that? Or what did dad say about it? You know, I love it. Go talk to dad about it. Like he's my dad. Right. So um, have, being able, because I don't have a relationship with my earthly father, having a relationship with my heavenly father has really filled that like daddyless daughter gap that I had. And so I'm so grateful to have that relationship with him because I do feel nurtured and taken care of and like someone's there to listen and, and cradle me and make me feel like everything's going to be okay. Um, so I'm definitely grateful for him. But aside from that, I think my biggest warrior, my biggest supporter and rock has been my husband, Mark. My husband, Mark, is a man that carries what I like to call authentic masculinity. Mm. He is the type of man that he's got this quiet confidence. It's a quiet cockiness. It's not arrogant or anything. He just knows who he is. And he is he's never been one to dispose any gender roles between he and I, we both changed diapers. We both did feedings. We both cook. We both clean and do dishes. Like there is no gender role. And he knows what he got when he married me. And so whenever I have this new idea or this new dream or this new goal, he is very good about supporting me, but also really good about making sure that I don't put too much on my plate. And he never lets any of my accomplishments threaten him ever he mm. is he is just so like yep that's my wife like just I and I love, I love that about him like I don't have to worry about my shine diminishing his ever because he carries a shine for just being who he is and so I'm just so grateful that God's hand selected him for me oh wow that right there said a uh, that was a whole entire world in itself just to, to feel so the love and the confidence and the security that you feel just from the, the acts of your husband. I think that that is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. Um, you get a bonus question though. Okay. <laughs> Go right ahead. Because you may, if I didn't learn anything from our conversation, um, it, it's the importance of reading and, and reading often. And so your uh, bonus question is, what are the top three books that you would recommend? Okay. And then I hope this one's received okay by the Christian community. So y'all brothers and sisters, I hope you receive what I'm about to say next. <laughs> it's a book called The Four Agreements. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that one. It is a great book. When I first started to do my deconstruction work within myself, when I started to address my internal dialogue, wanting to change the way I spoke to myself about myself, how I honored my body, how I um, 
took things personally and would overthink so much. I wanted to break that habit. And somebody shared with me the four pillars of the four agreements. And I thought, I have to read this book. And ever since I found that book, I read it at least once a year. It is very simplistic, but so important. I mean, yeah, there is some jargon in there that is, you know, it's it's a little woo-woo, you know, outside of you know, the word as far as, the, but it's all coming back to being able to appreciate the being that you were created to be. And just being able to sit in your experience without letting outside experiences influence who you are. It just helps you change the way you see things. So definitely the four agreements by uh, Mr. Don Miguel Ruiz. So he's great. Number one, number, the second book that I would recommend you reading um, would be Iyanla Van Zant's Trust. It's a book called Trust. And she talks about just learning to trust yourself in a way that you just know, no matter what happens or who's in your life, you're going to be okay because you have you. And you know that you're going to make it because your connection is to something so much bigger than anything this earth can offer. So um, it's a book called Trust. Trust you, trust God, trust the world, trust your experience. It's it's a great book. It's a great read. And I just, I love Miss Iyanla. I watch her show. I take notes when I watch Iyanla Fix My Life. I'm, it's funny. I'll make myself a cup of tea. And I got my book with my notes and my husband will walk through the living room and I'm like, oh, we fixing lives today, honey. (laughs) 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 So that's another one. Yala Van Zandt's Trust. And gosh, you're only giving me three. Okay. The third one that I would think would be really good is um, Dr. Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Okay. The gifts of imperfection is just how showing up to life, to work, to marriage, to parenting, um, wholeheartedly learning to just be vulnerable. And she's got a bunch of great books. I mean, I've read Daring Greatly. I've read, I thought it was just me. I've read Braving the Wilderness, Rising Strong, and now I'm reading Dare to Leave. So she's got a lot of great books. Um, but if you are new to her work, I would definitely encourage the gifts of imperfection. It's a great book. I will also mention those books because I'm trying to increase um, my reading. So I definitely will take a look at those books as well. Well, thank you for just pouring into my audience today and just really giving us some some nuggets that we needed. (laughs) That we needed. Um, And we will continue to follow you and your journey and all of the things that um, you are just doing for women and just empowering us to, to get, you know, what we deserve and to be okay with speaking up for ourselves. Yes. Amen. Well, I'm so glad to be here and, and I hope to connect with members of your audience in any way, shape or form. And and thank you so much for letting God use you for this platform, Rhonda. You are absolutely welcome. So make sure that you guys are subscribed to Shift the Plan podcast. We have new episodes every single week from another shift maker who is really, truly out here navigating through life shifts. So I will end this episode by saying, you know, just know that life may give you some obstacles, but what matters the most is what you do within the shift. Thank you guys and have a good evening.
Thank you for listening to Shift the Plan podcast. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure that you are subscribed and that you rate this episode as well as leave a review. Let me know what you think as well as any questions you may have for the guests that was on the episode today. Now, some exciting news. If you haven't already seen it on my uh, Shift the Plan podcast or my personal page, The Rhonda Evans, we are now a whole tribe, y'all. I know it has evolved from just me having having the idea to starting the podcast to now wanting to connect with more individuals who are shift makers, those who are making an impact in different areas in the community and education, mental health, and just what that foundation of building families are. Um, And so I'm excited to announce that we are now an organization called Shift Maker Charlotte. So you can head on over to our Instagram page at shift.makers.clt and take a look at what we have going on. And you can also go directly to the website at shifttheplan.com backslash join the tribe.